Such a beautiful time in worship this morning. I wish we could linger on. And there will certainly be moments going forward where we will certainly do that. Let the Lord just take us wherever He wants to go. Well, Frontline Church, it's so good to be with you all this morning. Welcome here. Welcome to everyone that has joined us online. It is my privilege to be with you all in the time that we spent together worshiping, honoring, and adoring our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I trust today that you have a great anticipation for what the Lord is going to do through His Word. And as we've come out of such a beautiful time of worship, let's continue to worship the Lord by giving ourselves fully and attentively to His Word. Church, today is week two of Vision Month, and I'm looking forward to sharing more with you today on where we believe the Lord is leading us in this season. But before we get into that, let's, let's pray together. Father God, we come to you this morning in the glorious name of Jesus. You are welcome in this place, and it is our heart to please you in all that we do. Lord, we pray that as we enter into a new season as a church, that you would lead us and guide us by your Spirit every step of the way. This is your church, and we are grateful that you build it. And so we pray that you would build Frontline Church exactly as you desire. Align our thinking with your thinking, and may our every action be according to your will. As we discuss a part of the vision today, I pray that you would align our hearts and unite us in purpose so that we would become a people, a church that truly represent you on the earth. As I bring your word today and share some of the vision, I pray that you would anoint my lips and the ears of those listening. I pray this in the beautiful name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Well, church, it's so good to be with you all today. As I said, today is week two of our vision month here at Frontline. I'm looking forward to sharing some more with you today as to where we believe the Lord is leading us and directing us and pointing us in this season. Just to recap briefly, last week we focused on how essential the church is and how essential you are as part of the body of Christ to our culture and to this world. We looked at Matthew chapter 16 where we clearly identified that the foundation of the church is not the Apostle Peter, but in fact it is Jesus Christ. And if the foundation of the church is Christ, that means that we are the physical representation of Jesus on the earth. We are a representation of the truth. And so we believe that the Lord is calling us back to a true representation of a church that has a foundation that is set and laid on the revelation of who Jesus is. And it comes back to that question that Jesus asked his disciples. Who do you say that I am? A question that will in fact determine every man and every woman's eternal destiny. Who do you say that I am? And this question that he asked is really an invitation to all of us. It's an invitation to be a part of a church that truly resembles Jesus and how we can express that truth wherever we are. That we would just become that expression of Jesus in every strata of society. Remember this morning, you're not a, a Christian because you go to church or you watch church online. You go to church because you are the church. Church is not something you do or a place that you go to. It is who you are. And today I want to speak to you briefly about the church 
that Jesus prayed for. That's the title for today's message, The Church That Jesus Prayed For. Now, as I said last week, when, you, when we're speaking about vision and we're speaking about change, we're not just trying to be different for the sake of being different or because we feel pressurized to do something new because everyone else is. It is important to know that the motivation behind Vision Month and what we are aiming to put in place by the grace of God, the motivation behind it all is to become a people, a church that God wants. A church that lines up to what is prescribed in the Word of God. A church that resembles the nature and the power of the revelation of who Jesus is. And look, I'd be lying to you if I said that we have every little detail planned and perfectly set out. But what I can tell you is that our heart is to please Him. It is our heart to represent Him the way that He deserves. And together, if we are united in that same purpose, which is to please Him and to represent His nature, and in the process constantly using the Word of God as our guide, we are on the way to becoming the church that He wants. And I want to say to you very clearly today that this does not discard that all that has happened as in the past as a, as a church, in our past as a church, and what God has already done over the past 30-odd years. We thank the Lord for the foundations that He has set, how He has carried this ministry through some very trying times, as well as the sacrifices that have been made by many people over many, many years, and how that has given us a platform to extend kingdom in this season. We would not be here if it weren't for godly men and women that were called to this part of the vineyard that sacrificed so much of their lives for this church. And you know what? We are privileged in this season to take the baton and trust the Lord for His guidance and His provision as He pours the new wine into new wineskins. So if we have to ask a question and we have to say, if we want to become more and more like the church that Jesus wants and Jesus prayed for, how do we have to adjust things? What do we have to do differently? And where do we begin to look for that type of guidance? Church, if you remember last week in the Gospel of Matthew, we noted that Jesus made the statement that He's going to make a new community. A community that He would call His church. In Matthew chapter 16, Jesus makes the announcement that I'm going to build my church and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. That's a foundational statement for the church. When we get to the book of Acts, we see the birth of that church. The church explodes into action. And in Acts chapter 2 and forward, we see the spread and the expansion of the church around the world. When we get to the epistles of Paul and Peter and John, we get to all the instructions given to the church. How to form church leaders, how to enact church discipline how to engage in public worship, etc., etc. We even have other names that are given for the church. Names such as the body of Christ, the flock of God, the pillar and the ground of truth, the bride of Christ, the household of God, and the temple of the Holy Spirit. And then finally in the Bible, we get to the book of Revelation, which tells us about the future of the church. And we see that awesome picture of the church gathered around the throne of God with the angelic choirs singing praises to Him. 
what an awesome day that's going to be. Amen. But church, in John chapter 17, and what I want to focus on today is we find the design and the intention of the church. It is what you could call, in, in a sense, the bigger picture. And it is the prayer of Jesus Christ to His Father. It's the most intimate prayer recorded and the longest prayer recorded of Jesus to His Father in heaven. And He prays for His followers. He prays for His followers back then and all those in the future who would believe in Him through the word of His original followers. So He is praying for His church. Jesus is praying for His church. And it is noteworthy for us to find out what He is praying for. Because as we go through this prayer, we find that there are four marks of a true church. Four characteristics that every true church should have. And it's so important that it is recorded in the Bible in this, this beautiful and intimate prayer. Now we won't get through all of them this week, church, but we will get as far as the Lord allows us. Amen. Now church, what I want you to start seeing as I'm sharing these fundamental truths from the Word of God in Vision Month is that I'm making reference to foundations that we believe the Lord is either calling us to establish or come back to its original design. So number one, the church that Jesus prayed for is a church that demonstrates God's glory. Every true church should demonstrate God's glory. Let's begin reading in John chapter 17 from verse 1. It says, Jesus spoke these words, lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son that your Son also may glorify you, as you have given him authority over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as you have given him. And this is eternal life that they may know you, the one only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I have glorified you on the earth. I have finished the work which you have given me to do. And now, O Father, glorify me together with yourself, with the glory which I had with you before the world was. Go down to verse 9. I pray for them. I do not pray for the world, but for those whom you have given me. He's praying for his church. And he says, For they are yours, and all mine are yours, and all yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. Verse 22 says, And the glory which you gave me I have given them, that they may be one just as we are one. And then finally down to verse 24 it says, Father, I desire that they also whom you gave me may be with me where I am that they may behold my glory which you have given me, for you loved me before the foundation of the world. Church, eight times in that passage of Scripture, a word shows up in one form or another, and it's the word glory or glorify. Most Christians know the term glory, glorify, or glorifying God. The problem is, what does it mean exactly? What is it does it mean to glorify God? What is the glory of God? Well, basically, the Bible uses that word in two different ways. Firstly, it is something you see, a visible expression of God. And secondly, it is something that you do. 
So let's look at it. Firstly, God glory. Excuse me. Firstly, God's glory refers to a visible expression of God that we see. It is the outward wow that brings the the inward woe. What do I mean by that? In Isaiah chapter six, Isaiah gets a vision of God's glory, and he says, "In the year that King Isaiah died, I saw the Lord sitting on the throne, high and lifted up. The train of his robe filled the temple." There were seraphim around the throne, and they were singing out to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is filled with His glory. In that wow moment, Isaiah immediately says in the next verse, Woe is me. You see, the wow of the vision led him to the woe is me. In other words, it's the outward wow that brings the inward woe. It's the visible expression of God. Many times in the Old Testament we read the glory of the Lord appeared. And when we read that, the reaction of the people on earth most times is that they are trembling at the awesome power of God's glory. They're just sort of shaking their boots like, wow, God just showed up. So it's the visible expression of God. And if it's a true manifestation, a true expression, we will tremble. This is not something that you can fake. Secondly, church, it refers to the valued attention toward God. That's what it means to glorify God. It's the Greek word doxazo, which means to praise, to speak words of glory, to bring honor, to glorify, or to attribute high rank to someone of exceptional value. So when Jesus says in these verses, I have glorified you on the earth, or I have manifested your name to the ones that you have given me, simply put, he's saying that I have pointed toward you. I have focused the attention on you. I, the Son, have turned the spotlight on you, Father. I have made you the center of attention on the stage of history. And not only have I done that, but I have also passed that on as a goal to my followers. Very importantly this morning, the purpose of the church, number one, is to glorify God. That will never become number two or number three. That will always be the main purpose, is to glorify God. And yes, the church has many purposes. This is something that has been debated right throughout history. Because people will say, you know what, the main purpose of the church is fellowship. It's community. Yes, that is a purpose of the church, but that's not the main purpose. It's not primary, it is secondary. Other people will say that the main purpose of the church is to evangelize the world because Jesus said, go out into all the world and preach the gospel. We agree that's important. We exist for that reason, but that's not the primary reason. You see, church, the primary reason is not going. The primary reason is not growing. The primary reason is glorifying God. Someone needs to say amen to that. It is glorifying God. We exist to bring Him glory, to focus, to make renown, and to give attention to God. Now look, that sounds good on paper. That sounds good philosophically that I should glorify God, but, but how do you do that exactly? Well, I'm glad you asked me this morning because Jesus gives us two ways. We glorify God firstly by our declaration, what we say, what comes out of our mouths, we declare it. 
And secondly, we glorify God by our demonstration, what we do. And I want you to see that. Go to verse 6. It's the declaration. Jesus says, I have manifested your name to the men whom you have given me out of the world. I have manifested your name, which means I have revealed your character. I have made your name great. You know, church, one of the things that you realize about Jesus is how he always honored the Father. He always wanted the Father's will to be done. That's part of our prayer to him in the Lord's Prayer. And he spoke about how great the Father is. He always declared God, always, always pointed to him. So as a church, if we were to model that behavior, how would we do that? How would we declare it? Well, I can think of a few ways, and I'll give you a few examples. When we witness to somebody, when we share the good news of the gospel with them, we are declaring that God is great, God is worthy to be believed on and followed. Whenever you train your children in the ways of God, you are declaring how great God is to your children. In effect, you are glorifying God in your family. If you are being the church in every strata of society, spreading the good news of the gospel, sharing your testimony, loving people the way that Jesus would, you are glorifying God. Amen? We also do that by worship. Whenever we sing, like we just did this morning, whenever we sing words that point to Him, we are declaring that God is worthy, God is valuable. You know, church, worship is the one exercise we do where God gets all the attention. Because the focus is now off us and completely onto Him if it is true worship. If you're worshiping and you're still looking around to see who's worshiping or looking at you while you're worshiping, or if you're looking at people and saying, look how weird those people are, that's not necessarily real worship. Because the attention is completely off us and, and completely onto Him. It's, it's got nothing to do with us. It's got everything to do with Him. Church, we also worship God in the way that we pray and acknowledge His provision. It was Charles Spurgeon that wrote this about glorifying God. He said, the motive is this. Oh, that God could be glorified. That Jesus might see the reward of His sufferings. Oh, that sinners might be saved. So that God might have new tongues to praise Him, new hearts to love Him. Oh, that sin were put an end to. That the holiness, righteousness, mercy, and power of God might be magnified. He says, this is the way we pray. When thy prayers seek God's glory, it is God's glory to answer thy prayers. That's beautiful, right? And so, church, the first reason we exist and we meet together and gather together is to glorify and to glorify our great God. Amen? Because you see, the church is the only community on earth where God is the star of the show. And you know, for me, it puts everything into perspective. When I feel like my life is a bit upside down and at times you feel like you're falling apart, I come into the gathering of the saints and I begin to declare how magnificent He is. And songs start being sung, right? And people around me are closing their eyes and or lifting their hands or bowing their heads and worshiping, and it reorients me. It brings me back to my core. 
And I start thinking all of a sudden, you know what? It's not really all about me, is it? Really? It's all about Him. It's about Him. Because God is still on the throne. God is still in charge and He can handle everything that I'm going through. This brings things into perspective. It helps me change the way that I think if I declare God's goodness and how magnificent He is. That's the first thing. We also glorify God by our demonstration, by what we do. Go back to verse 4 in this beautiful prayer. It says, I have glorified you on the earth. I have finished the work which you have given me to do. So the first statement Jesus makes here is, I've glorified you on the earth. And you may ask, well, how did you do that exactly, Lord Jesus? He says it in the second statement. I have finished the work which you have given me to do. So now, let me ask you the question. How do you glorify God? By devoting yourself to finishing the work that He has given you to do. And let me just make this a little personal for you and me. Did you know that God has a task for you that only you can fulfill? God has an assignment that only you can accomplish because the goal of your life is not just to get to heaven. Now look, heaven's going to be amazing, heaven is going to be awesome, and, and you're going to get there if you're a believer. But don't think that your goal and my goal in life is just to get to heaven. And while you're waiting for heaven, you're like, do I have to live through another day? Do I have to live through another week, a month, or a year? Do I have to live till I'm 90 years old? I just want to get out of here. I want to go to heaven. I'm glad you do and, and you will. But do you realize if heaven were the only goal for your life, you know what would happen? The moment that you gave your heart to Jesus, the moment that you, you gave your life to Him, you would drop down dead. Right? But guess what? You are here for a while, even if it's a short while. Because God wants you to do something. He has a task for you. And let me tell you this morning, the great joy of your life can be to discover why God put you here uniquely. Somebody once said that the two greatest days of your life are the day you were born and the day you discovered what you were born for. What were you born for? What is your great task that God has uniquely carved out for you and only you to fulfill? And let me say this, church, if you live to glorify God, you'll die having no regrets. If you make that your life's goal, you say, from today I'm going to glorify God, you'll never regret that. You'll never get to the end of your life and go, I should have done this or I could have done that. If you live to glorify God, you will die with no regrets. So number one, a true church, a church that Jesus prayed for, is a church that demonstrates God's glory. And I know I've spent quite some time on that, but it is primary to the purpose of church and why we do church. Number two, the church that Jesus prayed for is a church that communicates God's truth. Let's go down to verse 6 again. Jesus says, I have manifested your name to the men whom you have given me out of the world. They were yours, you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they have known that all things which you have given me are from you. 
For I have given to them the words which you have given me, and they have received them, and have known surely that I came forth from you, and they have believed that you have sent me. Powerful scripture that. You see, Jesus gave to his followers words of truth that the Father gave to him. And his followers listened to those words. They listened to his sermons. They listened to his conversations. All the things that he revealed for three and a half years, and they received that truth and believed that truth. And eventually they wrote down the truth for you and I, and it's called the New Testament. Church, I want to make a categorical statement this morning. The Lord wants His church to be a place of absolute truth. Let me say that again. The Lord wants His church to be a place of absolute truth. Last week I spoke about how we find ourselves in a season in our world where truth is really just subjective. Where truth is what suits your preference. Because you can go on social media and choose the type of truth that you want to you find and what you like. It's based on those who want to control truth. In that type of world, in that type of society, there has to be a place for people to come from the only real truth, which is found in the Son of the living God and His church. Because that's the only way to unlock the kingdom of heaven in, for those that are in the kingdom of darkness. And as a church, as frontline, we believe that the Lord is calling us to be a beacon of truth in our community. And you may say, isn't that what the church has always been about anyway? Yes, that's true. But because the church in general has steered away from real truth because of political pressure or because of political correctness and because perhaps they don't want to affect church numbers, they have inadvertently or perhaps even purposefully compromised on the truth. And you know, believers and unbelievers alike are becoming more and more aware of how churches and church leaders are compromising on truth and how some leaders are even falling away from their faith and falling into sin. Just look on YouTube and you'll see the videos that get some of the most likes are the ones that speak about fallen pastors or churches that are straying away from the truth. You see, fake Christianity has been exposed. Flaky Christianity is being exposed as it very well should be. And so by the grace of God, as a church, we want to offer various platforms to get the truth out, the real truth. That's one of the areas where we believe the Lord is leading us in this season. And we believe that could be in the form of a podcast where people can send in questions relating to real-life issues or how to defend the Christian faith where we can bring biblical perspective to these questions. This is one of the ideas that we have, amongst others, which we will share shortly. You see, it is our heart to represent the Lord authentically by constantly referring people back to the truth, the real truth. Jesus prayed for this truth. Jesus prayed that this truth would be nurtured in His followers back then, and it is something that He prays will be a part of His church today. Remember, He intercedes constantly for us at the right hand of the Father. Church, as I close this morning, let me ask the question. Why do we exist? What is the purpose of the church? What did Jesus have in mind when He said, I will build my church and the gates 
of Hades will not prevail against it. We've looked at two of them this morning specifically. Jesus prayed that his church would be a group of called out ones that demonstrate God's glory. And secondly, he prayed that his church would be a group of set-apart people that communicate and express God's truth. And this morning again, I want to ask you personally, do you want to be a part of that type of church? Do you want to be a part of the type of church that is foundation is set on the revelation of who Jesus is? Do you want to be a part of a, a church that demonstrates God's glory? Do you want to be a part of a church that communicates and expresses God's truth? I want to be a part of that type of church. I'm going to call up Pastor Renal. She has a few things just to add on to what I've shared this morning. But church, have a blessed day further. God bless you and your family. We'll see you again soon. Am I free? you hear me, you may feel differently. I'm just kidding. Good morning, church. So we are really excited for what God is wanting to do in the season. And um, I thought I wouldn't just share briefly because maybe there were some that missed the announcement last week. And um, just to share that we have made a decision to stay online for the month of February. And I, I want to just clear something up quickly. Uh, this is not a decision made in response to COVID. It's not because we're afraid. And it's also not because we feel like opening up for 50 people is not worth it. I can assure you, opening for one would be worth it. But what we do feel is it's a call to obedience. And I'll explain that to you. We feel that God is asking us to wait on him in the season as he downloads strategy and blueprints for where the church is going in this next season. And church, what I'm asking is that you remain patient. I know we are all eager to get back. We are too. Uh, we miss everybody, but we're asking that you remain patient in this time and to pray with us. Because a word that has been coming out really strong in the last couple of weeks is it's a new season. God is wanting to do something new and we need to make room for the new. So this is a season of preparing ourselves for what God is wanting to do in this next season. And it's almost a deliberate act, if I can say, being intentional around shaking off old mindsets and old habits and old religious routines and us pursuing to host the presence of God like never before. During our fast, we corporately read the book of Acts and it challenged us. I trust it challenged you. Because you've got to read that and ask certain questions. And I want to pose a question to you this morning. Does the church represent the church in Acts? Are we representing what we read about in the book of Acts? I believe there is a 
a holy discontent in where we find ourselves and it's a good place to be. Church, are you asking for more? Are you sitting with a sense of saying, God, I desire that. I'm hungry for that. I know I am. I'm hungry for more. And the reality is, is that right now the church has been under fire, if I can say. And it won't be the last time. But one thing I know for sure is that when the church is under fire, we have the opportunity and the potential to emerge with Holy Ghost fire. Amen. And we need to grab hold of this opportunity. We need to take a hold of the season that we are in. And how will we emerge from this place? God is calling us to something new. But it will require of us to shake off some old patterns. And we're going to be deliberate in creating an atmosphere and a culture that allows God to do something new. Oftentimes we ask for something new, but we get so stuck in our old ways that we cannot move forward. And I do not want us as a church to be transitionally challenged, if I can say that, where we refuse to move with what God is saying. And in this season of being closed as a church and only being online, it's almost a walk of faith because as Pastor Ryan said, we don't have all the details. God never shows us the full picture, does he? Because he wants us to walk by faith. And it's a moment by moment. And over the next couple of weeks, we're going to share more details through our social media um, platforms, through emails, through communicating on Sunday. We're going to communicate what we believe God is saying for this next season. But prepare yourself because it's going to look different. And I trust you're excited. Church, what we want to see is a church that glorifies God. A church that speaks truth. We want to see a church that embraces every gift. What is your gift and what are you bringing? Let us equip that, equip you and develop this gift to ensure because when you're not here, the church is weaker. Because we need you. The world needs us. And so we want to ensure that you get recognized and your gift is used within the house. We want to ensure that everything we do is underpinned with the fivefold ministry. And that's not restricted or limited to five people. Can I clarify that? It's not restricted to five people, but it's five pillars or ministries within the church to ensure that the saints are equipped for the work of ministry. So that we don't just come to church, we become the church and we start to see our community transformed. Church, will you take on this journey with us? Pray with us, prepare yourself. More information is going to be rolled out in the next couple of weeks. Be patient with us. We're not withholding information. We are waiting on the Lord that we may be in step with what he's asking. So we want to bless you. I bless you and your family this week. May you taste and see the goodness of God. And may we prepare ourselves to come back for new wine, for Holy Ghost fire, for a fresh outpouring of His Spirit. Amen. God bless you.